Thanks for joining us today for Bread of Life, a ministry of Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. At the core of our ministry is the conviction that Christ is our sufficiency in all things. Our prayer is that the message today might bring your thoughts near to Christ's abundant grace. To contact us, please call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. And now here for a brief introduction is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews 11, 27-29 reveals to us that God gave Moses a vision of the Messiah, of Jesus, that filled him with boldness and at the same time removed from him any confidence in his own flesh. Mark this. As you set your eyes on Jesus, you'll gain confidence to live an overcoming life, but you'll also lose faith in your own self as you do. The Messiah now guides the faith of Moses to see that he is the atoning lamb for the sins of the people. Hebrews 11:28. By faith he kept the sacrifice and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch him. God revealed himself to and through Moses and all the different plagues that came upon Egypt. You remember when, when Moses first comes into the court of Pharaoh that he has a rod that God has given him and Moses throws the rod down and the rod turns into a snake? And then what happens is that some of the magicians of Pharaoh throw down their rods and those rods turn into snakes. And then the rod that Moses has thrown down swallows up those other snakes. It's kind of something interesting about that. The God who is considered to be the guardian or protecting God of the Egyptians, and particularly the God that was assigned to protect Pharaoh himself, was presented to the people as a cobra. That he was the one that was governing and watching over the protection of the Egyptian people and uniquely assigned to be a guardian to the power of this incarnate God of Ra, the Pharaoh. And so when these Egyptians throw down their rods and they turn to snakes, and I suspect that the magicians were just as surprised as maybe at that moment in time Moses was. And then the rod that Moses would throw down swallowed it up. It was as if God was saying to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, your protection is with me. I'm the one who's watching over you. I'm the one who protects you. I'm the one who keeps your heart beating and you living to accomplish my wills and my end. From there will be ten plagues that will take place that are commissioned as God leads and guides Moses. And every single one of these plagues is another place where God demonstrates his power to the various gods that are ruling over the Egyptians. You know, the Egyptians, the first one is that the Nile turns to blood. The Egyptians think of the Nile as a god itself, and they're all a multitude of their other gods intermingled themselves and intersected the play and the life of that Nile river. It was the Nile that was the life of the people, the lifeblood of the people. And God says, you think that's your lifeblood? I'll turn your lifeblood to blood. I'll make it stink before you. One of their goddesses, the goddess of fertility and productivity, this is the second plague, was a frog goddess. And so when the Nile would overflood, that was what brought fertility to the land. It would leave little pools around throughout Egypt. And they left the pools there. And in those pools, little frogs would live. And, you know, one of the things that the Egyptians did that were superstitious, they wouldn't kill any of those frogs. Because those frogs were an expression of the fertility and the blessing of this frog goddess. God says, you're trusting in those to give you plenty and reproduce and give you blessing and fertility. I'll give you so many frogs, they become horrent to you. You'll be sick of them. You'll step on them everywhere you go. You won't be able to help. You won't kill a little frog. I'll put them under your feet. I'll put them everywhere. And so they're inundated with frogs. And you'll see this over and over again. 
and the various plagues that take place in Egypt, that God is demonstrating that his power and might over all of the various gods of Egypt until finally he comes to Pharaoh himself. And the very last plague, this incarnate expression of Ra, and God declares that he's going to take the firstborn, including the firstborn of Pharaoh. He's going to cut off the law, the singular law, the perpetuating law of the land, which is the law of progenitorship, the one who carries on the spiritual power and might of the nation. He's going to cut it off from them, the firstborn. And in one night, the angel of death goes over the land to kill that firstborn. But there's a way of protection that's offered. What God does is he instructs Moses to have the people of Israel take a lamb and bring it into their homes. And after a period of time of having this little lamb in their homes, they're to slay that little lamb. And they're to take the blood of that lamb and they're to sprinkle it on the entryway of their doors and over the top of their doors. And then inside the home, they're to prepare that lamb and they're to eat it all. And they're to eat it on their feet because God says through this great work, he's going to set them free from their bondage and they're prepared to move out. By faith, Moses kept this first Passover with all the people. Think about it for a moment. The sin of the idolatry of Egypt was not merely the Egyptian sin. It was the sin of the Jewish slaves as well. They had become idolaters too. And they deserved death with all of Egypt as well. But they could have life and freedom instead if they would come under the blood of that lamb and they would consume by faith the very life and being of that lamb and bring it into themselves. And I think Moses, who saw the Messiah in the suffering of the slaves, saw the Messiah in the suffering and slaying of the Lamb to cover their sins. Jesus died in Jerusalem. What holiday did he die at? Passover. Jesus is the last Paschal Lamb, the final Paschal Lamb, the final Passover sacrifice. Before he went to that place to be that suffering lamb for us, the Bible tells us that he went up to a high mountain with James and John and Peter, and there he was transfigured in all of his moral glory. And as he was transfigured in all of his moral glory, we're told that he met with Elijah and Moses, and they spoke with one another, and they spoke about his decease, his departure from Jerusalem. They spoke about his paschal sacrifice. Moses spoke with Jesus at that time, the Lamb, about his coming to fulfill that Passover revelation that God had given to Moses all those years before. Moses was acting back in Egypt to introduce the work of God that God would bring to full fulfillment in the Messiah in Jerusalem when Jesus Christ died for our sins. Moses saw it. He saw the God the Messiah, who is also the invisible one now as the Paschal Lamb. Or here's a lesson for you. To follow God as He reveals Himself, as the one true God, you must meet Him as the atoning Lamb for your sins. You must come under His blood. You must, by faith, consume Him as your life. Here's another observation. Moses discovers that the Lamb is a lion. By faith now the people are set free it says here in the passage, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Pharaoh lets the people of Israel go, but as they are amassed by the Red Sea, Pharaoh changes his mind and vengeance overcomes him and he wants to bring his vengeance down upon their heads for taking the firstborn of Egypt. 
And as the armies of Egypt are coming upon the camp of the Israelites, we read something in Exodus chapter 14. Go there again. Take your Bibles. Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 and 20. Remember, we spoke about the angel of the Lord. Here it says, the angel of God, the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud that went before them stood behind them. There is the angel of God revealing himself in the Shekinah glory, this cloud that is burning with fire. It says, so it came in between the camp of the Egyptian camp and the camp of Israel. Thus it was that a cloud and darkness was to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near to the other all that night. God abates this and holds back this descending army of the Egyptians upon the Israelites as they're getting ready to be released. It's interesting that before these waters are parted, God then gives a command to Moses that he's to give to all the people in Exodus 14, 15. So if you look back to verse 15, and here's the phrase I want you to see here. God says to them, tell the children to go forward. They're to move towards the sea. They're to address themselves toward the Red Sea. And as they did so, Moses is told that he's to lift up his rod. And as he's lifting it up and he's raising that rod, God basically, the lion roars, the lion of Israel roars to deliver them. Lift up your rod, he says, and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground in the midst of the sea. And I will indeed harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his armies and his chariots and his horsemen. And then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Moses obeys. God opens the sea. And between the heaped up waters of the Red Sea on dry land, the people of Israel pass through in the light of the fiery cloud of the angel of the Lord. The Lord Jesus, the Lamb, was to them at that moment the lion to protect and guard them. The Lamb that atoned for them and saved them and rescued them and provided the basis for their freedom and the forgiveness is now the lion that guards them and protects them and guides them. And After by faith they'd passed over, the Egyptians tried the passage themselves only to be drowned by the cascading falling back in of the sea upon itself by the command of God. Two more lessons very quickly. Lesson number three, you have to go forward in your faith. You have to have faith in the lamb. You have to have faith in the lion. You have to have faith in God who has manifested and made himself known through the Messiah. Remember here that the author is writing to Hebrews. He's writing to Hebrews who are professing Christians but who are being tempted to return back into Judaism. And what the author is saying to them is you can't go back. You have to be like Moses. You have to be like the people of Israel. You can't go back. You have to move forward. Tell the children to move forward away from the past, away from the dangers that are behind them, forward to a future that might be unanswered and unknown to them, only knowing that they're being led there by the Messiah and the Invisible One, only knowing that as they follow and go forward that they're doing what Moses himself did. You have to go forward. Here's the second lesson. It's this. Have you ever been in that situation, by the way? You don't know what to do? You don't know what to do. But you know this, you can't fall back in your fears. You can't fall back in just wanting things to be the way they once were. You can't go back to some old comfort. You can't go back and try to resurrect some past experience in your life. God is not found in reconstructing past experiences. 
God is found in his present power to lead you and guide you forward. The last lesson here. Be careful not to go forward with an imitation of faith. Trying to believe. Trying hard. Oh, that's just going back on your flesh again. Trying to do the right thing. Trying to follow the example of others. You've got to go believing in the one that's leading you. The Egyptian tried it. They tried to follow the pathway of those Israelites. And they did it to their own ruin. God knows the difference between those who, living out the gift of faith, place their hearts full confidence in God alone. They're not living in confidence in their flesh. They're not trusting in their own spiritual powers. They're not trusting so that they can ride on the backs of others' faith, others' actions. For them, the consecration has come and the surrender has come and they followed God faithfully. Don't risk living in your own power. Don't risk living by your own spiritual ingenuity and your own spiritual insights or your own self-confidence. Don't just gain a vision and passion for the things that God would have you do and then charge out on your own flesh. Don't risk it. Go forward. You have to go forward. Go forward believing. Go forward knowing that God has made himself known God has revealed himself in the face of Christ Jesus. Go forward looking to him alone, trusting in him alone, resting in him alone, completely abandoned to him, finding him as the one who frees you from self-confidence of the flesh and delivers you from the fear of men. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thanks for joining us at The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.